Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everyone. We want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church. We, uh, we welcome all of our Buckeye fans here this morning. And because we're an equal opportunity church, we welcome you non-Buckeye fans to Grace Crossing Church this morning. Weren't our books good on Monday night? Aren't you glad? Yeah, something to celebrate, huh? National Championship. Well, this morning, uh, we want to welcome you uh, to our Y series. If you're just dropping into our series here for the first time, we're, we're glad that you're here. And I want to begin our talk this morning by asking you a question. Why do you attend church? I mean, have you ever stopped to really think about that question and answer it? Why do I attend church? I mean, I suspect there's probably a... Uh, slightly diverse reasons in our auditorium for why people attend church. Uh, Some of you probably attend because of family obligation. You grew up attending church, and that's just what you've continued to do, and it's just what your family has always done. Some of you here are possibly attending out of some sense of religious obligation. In other words, church to you is a spiritual requirement of sorts. And it's likely that there may be some here that are attending and they see church as a moral obligation. In other words, church is a means to an end. And at the end, we want God to see us as really good people and then look favorably upon our life. And so church attendance is a piece of being just a good person. But, but for others of us here, and I pray and I trust for the vast majority of us, we are not attending church out of a sense of obligation, but rather out of a sense of opportunity. We don't see church as an obligation. We see it as an opportunity to love and to be loved, an opportunity to serve and to be served, an opportunity to give and to receive, an opportunity for you to learn and to grow and to become more like God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so whatever brought you here today, whatever has brought you to Grace Crossing Church, Uh, We pray that this series will help you go deeper in your life and in your relationship with God. We've been talking in this series, our why series, about why we've created a place like Grace Crossing Church. Why, what motivates us to do this uh, on a regular basis? What, what is it that is what we call our why it matters? And everybody has a why it matters. Uh, You may not know your why it matters, but it's what intrinsically motivates you and compels you to do what you do. It's your why it matters. Uh, And all of our why it matters are different in some ways. But reality is, your why it matters is the core of your personhood. It doesn't just answer why you do what you do in life. It actually determines how you do what you do in life. And just like every person has a why it matters, every organization has a why it matters. Those things that actually motivate us. Uh, They're often called organizational or core values, and we're talking about those in this series, Why? Now, I want you this morning to think of values like filters. For most things in life to work properly, they have to have a proper filter. Um, in, In case you haven't done it lately, you've got a furnace filter, in case this is a revelation for you, that needs to be changed about every month or two, maybe. Um, And I would encourage you, maybe the only reason you showed up today is to get a reminder that you need to go home and change your furnace filter. But listen, if you let this get dirty, 
And I've done that at times and pulled mine out, and I thought, I can't believe it's not even white anymore. Um, you got a furnace filter to keep your energy efficiency working properly. Um, for some of us, we, from time to time, we'll take what's called a vacuum cleaner. How many of you have heard of that? Okay, and you'll, you'll vacuum your house, and every vacuum has a filter in it. And these filters need to be cleaned if the vacuum is going to work properly. In case you didn't realize that your car is filled with all sorts of filters that keep the car running, this is actually Jamie's um, air filter out of his car. I think it needs changed, wouldn't you agree? Um, but you have an air filter in your car, you have a fuel filter in your car, you have an oil filter in your car. Try running your car without your filters, and, and let me know how that works for you, okay? I mean, reality is, is this. God has created nearly everything in life with a need for filters. Did you know that trees are the filter for the oxygen that we breathe? I mean, God created it that way. You remove all of the trees from planet Earth, and we don't survive. Isn't that a crazy thought? And God actually engineered the human body filled with its share of filters. Your lungs, your liver... Your kidneys are filters. Your skin and your stomach are filters. Your brain is a, an intellectual and a moral filter that God hardwired into your life. And so isn't it interesting that God created everything with filters, and it's no surprise that he also created his church with filters, values, why it matters. And it's not, it's not a surprise that through the New Testament, the authors of the New Testament refer to the church as the body of Christ. That's what it says. Romans chapter 12, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. God created his church to be complete with certain filters and things that actually motivate us, move us forward, keep us healthy. And so, so far in this series, we've talked about two filters here at Grace Crossing Church, two of our why it matters. The first one being biblical worldview. Biblical worldview is simply this. If we want to see the world the way it should be seen, we've got to place the Bible where it should be placed. And if we want to live our lives as God designed them to be lived, we've got to place the Bible where it should be placed. That's why David said this in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think of the Bible as a tour guide for life. It shows us just enough to lead us the direction that we need to go, but not too much to keep us um, from actually journeying forward and trusting God and depending on him. Now in the mornings when I wake up early sometimes and not wanting to disturb my wife, I'll put on my mobile app flashlight to guide me and guide my steps around the bedroom. And actually I open our bedroom door and I step out and if I don't want to step on one of our cats that are sitting there at the door, maybe I shouldn't use my flashlight, I don't know, but, <laughs> but I can see the cat is there. Or going down the staircase. I don't know about you, but I like to see where I'm stepping. And you know what God's word is? You know what the Bible is? The Bible is God's lamp to our feet. And it's his light to our path. It's a great filter. 
The second one we talked about is spiritual maturity last week, and if you weren't here, go to the podcast. Because spiritual maturity is a big filter that God wants us to use. Are we growing up? And the bottom line is God does not want us to say emotional and spiritual infants. And God doesn't want us to act like children. God wants us to grow up and become the adults that we've been created to become. Here's how Paul said it. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Instead, be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. Now, how do we do that? How do we become spiritually mature so that our words and our reasoning and our thinking, our logic is actually adult and not childish? Well, we need the filter of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. We don't only need God's Word, but we need God's Spirit. God's Spirit is like a filter. It's a value. It's something that comes into our life and, and helps us to live a God-honoring life. That's actually what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. How do we know if we are really in this relationship with God? We know because God's Spirit is leading us. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about a third filter, a third why it matters here at Grace Crossing Church. We just simply call this healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. Here's the theme verse I want to use. 2 Corinthians 5. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. In those two verses, there are three relationships, actually, that are talked about. In healthy relationships, there are, there are three things and three uh, aspects of this that God desires for all of us when it comes to healthy relationships. The first one is this. God desires us to have a healthy relationship with him. Now, let me just state the obvious this morning. You are here at Grace Crossing Church, I believe in large part, because you want to build and grow a relationship with God. Okay, I, I believe that to be true uh, of the overwhelming majority of us that are here. But if you ever stop to think about the fact that God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him, have you ever stopped to think about the fact that when it comes to a healthy relationship with God, we are not the initiators? That's really what this verse said. All this comes from God who settled our relationship between him and us. It is God who actually takes the first step. It is God who wants to move in our direction. In fact, Jesus made this statement in John chapter 6 when he said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Jesus' words. Here's what he's saying. There's not one person that's going to become a follower of me that's going to get into a relationship with me unless my father actually is drawing them. So you did not just stumble here in, into Grace Crossing Church. Now you may have stumbled literally into this building, but you did not come here by accident. You did not stumble here this morning. God actually set it up because he wants to have relationship with you. God is passionate 
about having relationship with us. And so when Jesus makes this, this statement, no one comes unless the Father draws, it's, that word draws is a very interesting word in the New Testament. It literally means to pull or to drag. It's used at several different places in the Gospels. Uh, it's used when Peter draws his sword and he wants to do battle in the Garden of Gethsemane to defend Jesus. It's used of the disciples as they're out on the Sea of Galilee and they catch so many fish, they, the Bible says they're dragging their nets, pulling their nets to the shore. That's the word that's used here. And it's also a word that's used in Acts about Paul when he's dragged into the marketplace and he's actually put on trial and people wanted to stone him and send him out of the city. That word draw is something that God is doing with every one of our hearts. He's, he's, he's compelling us. He's constraining us. He's saying, I want relationship with you, and I want it to be a healthy relationship. Which brings us to a second aspect of a relationship that's so important, a healthy relationship. Did you know there's a relationship that you are born with and you are die, you're going to die with, and you can do nothing about it? There's a relationship that you have that regardless of how much you want to run from it, you want to ignore it, you want to pretend it isn't there, it is there. And it's this, God wants you to have a healthy relationship with yourself. Now, at first earshot, when you hear that, you, you might think, well, what in the world does that mean? What does it mean to have a healthy relationship with myself? Well, if you were looking at yourself on the other side of a table after church today, and you were talking to yourself about you, introducing yourself to you, what would you say? How would you describe yourself? How would you define yourself? How authentic would you be when it comes to telling others about the person, the true person that you are? You know, many of us, I think, struggle to get to know ourselves because we honestly don't like ourselves. We are our greatest critic, which in turn makes us our harshest judge. And, and because sometimes we don't really like what we see when we look in the mirror, we honestly don't want to get more familiar with us. But I really believe this to be true. God does not want you to have a good self-esteem or a good self-image. God wants you to have an accurate one. And many of us don't have an accurate one. We do not know how to see ourselves like God sees us. We really don't like ourselves. Now, now juxtapose that thought with what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 10, when he makes this statement, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor. We think of the great commandment, that's where we put the period. Because we think the great commandment is about loving God and loving others. Actually, read what it says. It's about loving God and loving others as you love your own self. Now, that's not selfish. That's called self-care, self-awareness. I believe this to be true. We can only know God to the degree that we know ourselves honestly. We can only see God accurately when we first see ourselves honestly. I mean, there are people that I've heard say this, God and I aren't on talking terms anymore. Okay? I've heard people suggest that we just simply don't get along. We just don't see eye to eye. There is no relationship between God and myself. But here's the reality. If that's the case in your life, it's not because God didn't want the relationship. 
God desperately wants it, and he wants it with the real us. Not the false us, but the real us. That's why David actually said this. It's a verse God really spoke to me a number of months ago on my sabbatical. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. When God looks at us, what God wants to hear from us, what God wants to see in us, is complete honesty and complete transparency. Peter Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, actually makes this statement. He says, awareness of yourself and your relationship with God are intricately related. As Augustine wrote in AD 400, how can we draw close to God when we are far apart from our own self? The vast majority of us go to our graves without really knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectation of us. We see this all the time in parent-child relationships where all of a sudden a parent is living vicariously through their child and until that child comes to the place where they say, I'm going to be myself, I'm going to make my decisions and I'm not going to live in the standards necessarily of someone else it has the potential to affect the relationship with everybody else. Not only with themselves, but with everybody else around them. I mean, truth is this. We are not a stranger to God, but we are often a stranger to our own self. And what God wants us to do is God wants us to get to know ourselves and have a healthy relationship with ourselves, to have a relationship where we can be completely honest and transparent about the person that we are, the weaknesses that we have, the struggles that we deal with, and the battles that we fight. And we're not afraid to talk about them. It brings us to one final relationship aspect that we believe healthy relationships involves, and you could guess it. But God desires all of us to have a healthy relationship with each other. Where, where a relationship with ourselves is an intrapersonal relationship, God wants us to have healthy relationships that are healthy interpersonal relationships. And let me say this, and I think it could serve as our big idea today. But our relationship with God is only as healthy as our relationship is with others. You, you cannot read the New Testament and separate that truth. That our relationship with one another actually models our relationship with God. And we can't say we have a healthy relationship with God, and we certainly can't say we have a healthy relationship with ourselves unless we also maintain the best of our ability, healthy interpersonal relationships. So to speak to this topic this morning, I've asked one of our elders here at Grace Crossing Church, Tim Buttry. Many of you know Tim. Some of you may not be acquainted with Tim and familiar with him, but, but Tim is not only a friend of mine, but he's a friend of this church body and family. And and I asked him to come today. And Tim, would you come and join me? Let's welcome him as, as he comes this morning. Tim, thank you for uh, sharing today. And um, I, I wanted to give people a chance to get to know a little bit about you, a little bit about who you are for those that may not know you. Um, Tim and his wife, Linda, actually lead a ministry called True Relationships. And uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about True Relationships for those that may be unfamiliar. With the ministry. Our name, True Relationships, really came out of what it is that you just talked about that relationships that are based in God and are true 
and have God as their source will have healthy relationships with others. But I also found that the healthier my relationships are with others, the healthier my relationship is with God. So again, we, yeah. see, we see a very cyclical thing to our relationships, and we often think they're one way or they're, they, they go one direction, but they don't. True relationships, what we're about, our mission is to, uh, to develop, I'm sorry, I, I know my own mission statement, and I said it perfectly, first service, and here I go, I, uh, yeah, okay, so I was off on one tangent, got, got caught uh, on that one. Uh, our mission is to equip and inspire men and women to develop healthy thriving relationships. So that's that's our goal. Everything we do. A lot of people in the church here, I think, know, at least have heard about the fact that we do a lot of counseling. Uh, we do a lot of counseling, and our team does a lot of counseling because counseling is that intimate place where we can take people to the next level. It's that place where we can talk about things that oftentimes get uh, glazed over in other situations. But we can take people to a place of truth so that they can discover true relationship. Oftentimes that's in marriage situations where we're helping couples to discover that. But our team last year had 125 couples that we met with. And um, so we do a lot of counseling, but we do a lot more than counseling. This uh, February is a big month for us, and uh, we'll be doing a retreat in Kansas City. We'll be, uh, we have a very unique opportunity where we'll be uh, adjunct professors at a school in Canada. It's called the Sanctus School of Worshippers. And the president of, of that school has invited us over the last several years to be adjunct professors where we go there and spend a week with those students and teach them the biblical values of relationships and how that segues with their ministry, not only as worshipers, but beyond that. So uh, we, we do a lot of different things. We'll be uh, doing some... some uh, uh, Valentine's banquets over the next couple of weeks. And so we, we do a lot outside of the counseling office. Uh, but I think a lot of people know us there because that's talked about perhaps the most often. Yeah. And I love the name True Relationships. I think it's, it's really where it's at. It's the heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ is this healthy relationship that is vertical but also horizontal. Yeah. When you and I met, Tim, we... There's a lot we could have talked about. Yeah. And we had to kind of narrow this thing down to maybe just a couple of big rocks and said, if yeah. we had to come up with a couple of big rocks that are definite ingredients in healthy relationships, what would they be? And we actually defined, uh, when we met, two of them that I want to talk to you about yeah. this morning. Yeah. The first one we said was, was honor. That for a relationship to be a healthy relationship, it has to have honor. Talk about that. Speak to that idea of honor and what it is. You know, I, w when we met to talk about this, for me, it was a no-brainer. There were several things that just popped to the surface immediately that I see every day in healthy or unhealthy relationships. And honor is one of those that often gets ignored or, or we don't know what it looks like. We, we think about it in uh, military terms and honoring the flag or honoring our military and all of that. But there is an honor, and I believe that maybe it's better understood with the idea of respect. And respect is shown in the way that I talk to you, the way I listen to you, the way I honor, the way you think and process. If I don't respect you, I'm not going to have a very good relationship with you because I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to think that was stupid. Or I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk down to you because I think you don't know as much as I know. 
or I'm not going to care about how you feel because I think that your feelings are, are irrational and unnecessary. And I see this dishonor all the time in couples that their relationship has deteriorated to the point of it being almost to the end. But that lack of respect, that lack of honor, honor is a huge part of relationship. And it's interesting when we're talking about this relationship with God, that is what worship is. Worship is honoring God. It's recognizing that he has value. So if you want to talk about honor, honor is about respect. Honor is about value. Honor is something that we give to another person because we appreciate who they are. We know them. We understand them. We've listened to them. We care about the way that they think. And, yeah, maybe they're, they may be wrong at some point. They may have not done something yeah. correctly. But the way I present that is with honor. And if I don't honor them then we're not going to have intimacy. We're not going to have relationship. Yeah, and I, and I think that actually carries not only into our relationship with God, but I believe it carries into our relationship with ourselves. Sure. I mean, I mean, think about loving God, but then think about loving yourself. I mean, how can we love ourselves if we don't honor ourselves, if we don't respect ourselves? Sure. If we don't have that kind of healthy, interpersonal relationship. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, That's the right. Bible says, and right. we need to honor our bodies. Yes. Now, don't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a second element that we, that we said and we walked out of the room feeling, man, you just can't have healthy relationships without this second big rock, yep. and that is honesty. And what's very interesting about this is I studied and did a little research on the etymology of that word, and, and loosely the word honesty comes from this idea of honoring. I'm not surprised. I, I'm not either. And, and I think what's interesting is this is kind of like a one-two punch that you've got to have in relationships. Yep. Speak about this idea of honesty and how it kind of works with honor. Well, again, honesty has to be combined with honor. Uh, the way that Linda and I have often talked about that is about being honest and being safe. I, it's one thing to be honest. I could be honest with you, but I could rip you to pieces by being honest with you. I could tear you up, uh, chew you up, and spit you out, and you'd never know the difference. So if I, I can be honest, but I can also be dishonoring. And so the two have to be combined. They have to, they have to be linked together if we're going to have intimacy. The other thing about honesty, Gil, is that if I'm not honest with you, you can't know me. We, we really can't have relationship. Not really. In, in a marriage relationship, we cannot have intimacy because you don't know me. You don't know what's yeah. inside of me. I may be afraid to let you know what's inside of me because you will dishonor me, so I'm not going to be honest. I'm not going to be transparent. One of the things that talk about etymology, I've just got a real uh, simple definition for intimacy, and it's simply this, into me see. You cannot see into me if I'm not going to be honest with you. If I'm going to blow smoke, if I'm going to make you think one thing because it's safer or it's easier or I'm not wanting to be made fun of or whatever the case might be, we're going to lack relationship. We're going to lack friendship. We're going to lack intimacy because you yeah. don't know me. And so what we found in intimate relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, honesty has to be at the forefront. And it's interesting how often honesty gets put, up, put on the back shelf. Uh, it's not worth it. It takes too much work. It takes too much time. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be ridiculed. I mean, there's a thousand things that happen. Um, recently, I was with a couple, and in one session, 
three times the wife said of something her husband told me for whatever reason in the safety of that counseling room and me asking the right questions, he said things and she said three times in one session, I've never heard you say that before. And that to me was indicative yeah. of the level of trouble and problems and situations that they were in because there was a lack of knowing a lack of honesty, a lack of transparency to the degree that that person, the spouse, was probably saying, I don't even know you. How could you say this after 25 years and I never knew you felt that way? Well, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Well, I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to, I knew you'd get angry. I knew you, that was one of the, I, did, I knew you'd get upset. So see, that's dishonoring, isn't it? When I don't tell you the truth because I'm afraid you'll get upset, I'm not respecting you. I'm not trusting that you're going to respond in a healthy way. Now, maybe you won't, but I still have an obligation to be honest, be honest yeah. and to trust that you're going to be honoring or vice versa. Yeah. You know, there, there's a third rock we didn't get to talk about. it. We, we didn't even really bring to the table, but I'm just going to throw it out on the table real quick, and maybe it sure. fits in, and that is... Humility. I don't Huge. think honor and honesty work very well together unless there's humility. Yeah. It takes humility to be able to present honesty correctly. It takes humility to be able to honor someone and put them above yourself. Yeah. And that is what the scriptures teach us, that we are to submit to one another. That we're to put ourselves right. underneath another person and say, I honor you above me, and I want to give you something that's going to bless you, or i got to tell you the truth about something that happened. Yeah. yeah. Submit one to another, Ephesians 5.21. Submit one to another out of reverence or honor. To Christ. For Christ. Yeah. Tim, when you and I met, we, um, you actually brought up a story um, that happened uh, a couple of years ago, and um, honestly... We had not talked about the story uh, nope. since then, and it was a very personal, private story. But in our talking and our sharing together in the room that day, I think, I think we both agreed it was a God moment. It was a chance for us to kind of open our hearts and not just talk ethereal, but actually talk practice of what does a healthy relationship look like with honor and honesty? And, and, and so we kind of walked out and said, let's chew on this. Let's let this marinate and talk and pray, and we'll come, kind of come back in a few days and see if we're feeling good about it. And I think yeah. we were. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you open. Tell the story. Well, it's not a story that I'm all that proud of, necessarily. It's not one, like you said, it was a personal, intimate, it was a situation that happened between Gil and I as friends, and yet it was, it's, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing for me because of the nature of the story, but uh, it was actually a few years ago, we were doing a farewell event for some friends of ours of the church that were moving on, and we were at some people's house from the church, and we were having dinner. And I was just in one of those moods. I was just having fun. I was with people that I liked and felt comfortable with. And oftentimes that makes me be silly and be rambunctious and do silly things. Uh, Pastor Jamie knows me. I'm, I pick on him all the time. And uh, you may not see that side of me, but we were there. And, and there were a lot of other people from the church and other places that were there. And we went into the kitchen, and... Gil just happened to be in front of me, and when, when I walked up to him, I just kind of goosed him, grabbed him in the butt, kind of, and just kind of, whoa, and just like, oh, Tim, hey, good to see you, buddy, you know. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was just out of jest for fun. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to embarrass him, but uh, what I discovered 
was that my action was embarrassing to him. And there were people from the church that were, were new, and maybe people that, as a leader, he didn't want to be seen with somebody, you know, joking around with him that way, that it was, uh, it was a, a little bit too much. I didn't know that then, and he didn't make me feel badly that night. But uh, a couple days later, we had coffee together at, at the new Starbucks, and he sat down with me, and he, he wasn't able to tell me anything that we were really there to talk about because he had to get that off of his heart. But I'll tell you what. Here's what I know about that situation. He needed to confront me about what happened that previous night, but he did it with honor. He honored me, but he was honest with me, and he told me that it embarrassed him and that he was thrown off a little bit because there were people that, that, that see him as a leader and that that was disrespectful to him, what I had done. Well, <laughs> there's no way in the world that I would have ever wanted him as my friend or my pastor to have felt those feelings. But they were real feelings. They were sitting there, and he's telling me that, and I had choices to make. I could have been embarrassed. I could have been upset. I could have been angry. I could have thought, what, what are you making a big deal out of this for? There were a thousand things that I could have felt or thought. But as much as he honored me in the way he told me what was honest about that situation, it, it was incumbent upon me to honor him in return. And so I had to respond in a way that said I wanted to be sensitive to his feelings. I wanted to respect him as my friend and my pastor, and I wanted to do nothing that would make him feel awkward or not want to be around me as a friend. And so honor and honesty were reciprocal. They worked together. And if you find someone you're talking to reacting perhaps in a defensive or, or harsh way, maybe it's because it started out dishonoring. Instead of saying, well, what do you have to get mad for? Well, maybe you dishonored them in the way that you presented it. And if you were honoring, maybe they could be honest back without it being negative, without it being hurtful. Now, was it awkward for me? What, did I, was I hurt that day? Was I sad? I was. But I respected my friend, and I was grateful that he was honest with me and that, uh, that he honored me in the way that he presented it. And so as a result of that, you shared with me. We had never talked about that. It no, was never brought hadn't. up again. It was one of those yeah. things that was awkward. It, was, it had to be done. Yeah. We responded the, the best we knew how to respond, and it was never brought up again until this never week said. when we talked about this service. And I shared that with you, and you, you told me something yeah. I had never heard. And when you brought that up and you shared the story, I said, you know, here's what's remarkable about that, Tim. That my honor for you went through the roof when I watched how you responded. When I watched the way that you internalized the honesty, and I watched the way that you humbly received what was spoken, which, you know, let's be, let's be real. Um, being honest sometimes takes incredible courage, doesn't it? And risk. I didn't know how he was going to respond. I didn't know the cost, potential cost, but I knew this. I know I love him, and I know I want the best for him, and I want him to be the best he can be. And I know whatever that meant is, is that we could not continue without being real and being authentic and being genuine. And what happened to me, Tim, is that my respect and honor for you just went through the roof. I mean, it, it really did. And I, I shared that with you in the room that day when we were talking, and I, I think we both felt like, man, God... God did something in both of our lives through that experience. Yeah. And it really didn't hurt our relationship. 
It actually strengthened and made it deeper and made it stronger and made it more, I think, uh, more significant of a relationship. I agree. Yeah. And here's, what's, here's what I, we, as we were whiteboarding this idea of honor and honesty and how they work in tandem, you know, it, it reminded me of you know, the root of the stump of a tree. And when a tree is cut, what you discover, and I know you all can't see this this morning, but, but you're welcome to come later, but what you discover is that each, in the, in, the, in the stump or the trunk of a tree, there are rings. And every one of those rings tell a trained eye not only how old the tree is, but it also tells a trained eye what that tree has endured. So every ring represents a season of growth and development, but it also tells every hardship it went through, every time it went through drought or it had too much water, or there was an infestation of some kind of bug or beetle that got in there and actually threatened the life of that, of that tree. A trained eye can look at the root, at the, at, the, at the stump of the trunk of a tree in a cross-section and can figure out the story of that tree. Well, I think honor and honesty work that way. Every time it's like a ring that is building into the relationship. And Tim, there's no doubt about it. I am so grateful for you as my friend, for you and your friendship to this church body, for what you have done for many people in this church to help them in the relational development, including my family and our staff. You are a friend, and I honor you today uh, for your willingness to, to kind of share with us and open your heart. Can you express your love and appreciation? Tim. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.